Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Emerson Dameron is about uh, writing scripts, sort of. Um, Emerson is a dear friend, and um, Emerson was on year one of this show. We are currently on year 13 of this show. Uh, so we have a lot of episodes of You, Me, Them, Everybody, over 700, and that is also why we are now letting you know we have a Patreon account. So if you've enjoyed... Uh, one to a few hundred episodes of this show, please consider donating at you, me, them, everybody.com. It's in this podcast description and it's on our about page. It's incredibly easy to donate and we have lots of different tiers. So whatever you could afford, it'd be very much appreciated. Here's the show. So you're talking about scripts. Have you written scripts before? Yes, uh, I did last year. Uh, one of the things that, uh, kind of helped me endure the first few months of lockdown was there there's a theater group in LA called public assembly that used to do um, monthly shows of 10 minute plays in Eagle rock. And they didn't really do a lot of publicity, but they got, they had a huge word of mouth and I was just instantly a fan. Uh, And I, saw them for the first time in 2019. And I immediately said, I want to be part of this. I want to work with these people. Obviously they couldn't do what they'd been doing uh, after the lockdown started. So they started doing a podcast instead. They called it a radio show, but it's basically uh, MP3 that they put on SoundCloud. And I pitched some interstitial skits to them and ended up uh, collaborating with them for a month on that. And it was one of those experiences where I said, this is what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like just all of the light bulbs came on and the fireworks went off. And I thought uh, this scripted audio theater is at least one of the things that I just truly love. I used to do radio and I've done stuff like that before and getting back into it was just really thrilling and galvanizing. Unfortunately, they stopped doing the show over the summer. uh, And I I think there were a lot of reasons like they had other projects going on. And I think over the summer, people did not want to do anything frivolous yeah. Like when the protests were going on, I think oh, yeah. there, there, there was a real focus on like absurdist humor is not going to get us through this. So a lot of people got it broke off and got involved in more serious political stuff. And they, they stopped doing that show, but it became a thing that I'd rediscovered that now I'm spending a lot of time doing treatments and writing scripts in my free time because I really want to keep that going. And so so the scripts are purely for an audio format? At this point, yeah. Uh, That's that's just what I've always connected with the most. Do you, is there a way to make this your livelihood or is it too niche? Others have done it. So it is possible. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's a growing thing. Uh, particularly with Spotify and the way a lot of the that 
podcasting world has has blown up over the last few years. So I'm cautiously optimistic about it, but I think I love it so much that I'll keep doing it anyway, and I'll do the shows myself if if I have to. Yeah, I I almost revisited a script I wrote a long time ago this week because I was trying to think of a title for something. So I was going back and like mining old material and. I had forgotten how much fun that process is. And oh, yeah. But I also, this is one of those things where, like, maybe it's a location based thing. I, I feel like where you are in LA, it feels doable. There's literally movie studios around you, and so many people move to where you live for this dream. And to me, that's so, like, beautiful and inspiring. And when I was writing these in Chicago and to a way lesser part, DC, it's just not here and it's it feels like it's an impossible task when it's really not you're just putting words down in theory you should be able to do this anywhere but it feels more doable where you are do you feel that or is that just oh yeah okay okay there's there are tons of people that are already doing it and there are communities around it i think i i don't know um what Chicago is like now, but definitely the scene I was adjacent to was there was a g- good theater community oh, for in sure, Chicago, for sure. and a lot of comedians. It seemed like when all when they got to a certain level, they would move to New York or they would move here. Yeah. Um, the joke I've heard about DC is that LA is full of forty-year-olds that think they're twenty, and DC is full of twenty-year-olds that think that they're forty. That's right. That's a good. So it might be more people go there to get involved in policy, and I, I'm sure there's an arts community like Dave Chappelle is from there, but it's maybe not as robust. No. Although that's you know you could find people on the internet now. Yeah, that's the thing. Like that changes everything. I'm so fascinated to see what the like current crop of 20 year olds does with all of this. <laughs> Cause it's, it'll be interesting. It's man. very, very, very different. Like you're essentially rediscovering an art form that peaked like 80 years ago. That's right. So that's weird. Like that shouldn't in theory, that shouldn't be a thing, but it's working. And, and yesterday I talked to a music writer who's, uh, he used to only write about, dance music and hip hop. And now it predominantly writes about country music because it's the only industry that, that exists in the like old school record industry format. Right. Yeah. Nashville's the last holdout of what the music industry used to be like, because it's so conservative. Exactly. And to me, that's a bad thing. Right. But maybe it's a good thing. I don't know, but I think it's a bad thing because it's preventing forward progress. Right. So it hasn't been great for women or, or minorities, yeah, exactly. as I understand. Uh, well, he happens to be a minority, so I can't say like it's also one of those things where like I'm the white guy being like, "Are you sure you're not working in a racist industry?" It's like, yeah, he knows. Like he gets yeah, it. he can. I'm sure he's got his own take. So my point is this: like, okay, when that goes away, are like is sheet music going to be popular the same way like radio plays are popular now? Like what's like. If, if it's the snaking its tail, like how far back do we have to go in the music industry for that to be popular? Like what will be the next Maybe we thing? could really bring back the 20s. Like I, it's play, happening. Player pianos everywhere and people doing the Charleston. And that, that would be kind of dope. Yeah, that's going to happen. 
How do you feel today? We're recording this, like I said, on March 11th. Not bad. I haven't really figured out what the big themes of the day are going to be, but uh, I woke up nice and early because I went to sleep at 9 p.m. yesterday. I was just exhausted, and I forgot how good it can feel to go to sleep when I'm just truly beat. Yeah, yeah. And slept through the night. I uh, woke up a little bit before the alarm went off, and just kind of easing into the day. Uh, yeah. I When I first woke up, I was a little overwhelmed by the volume of work that I'm going to have to do, but I made a list of five things to get done today. I'm pretty sure I can get them all done, and hopefully in the afternoon I'll get a time to work on some of my other projects. Uh, do you Are you finding yourself satisfied when you go to bed that early? Are you finding yourself... On days when you're able to turn your brain off like that, you've had a good day. Yeah, I think I feel drained in a good way. Yeah. Um, it's It feels like I'm uh, engaged with the world and that I'm getting closer to the point where I'm going to be able to um, to get back out there when the time is here. Are you at all worried that once there's herd immunity and all of the former things in our lives are back, that some of the systems that you set up will fall by the wayside? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, okay. If I had to start driving to the office every day again, I don't know what I would do. I don't think that's going to happen. Right? There's going to be hybrid work, and I think at least with with my main gig – uh, it's become pretty obvious that everyone can be as productive, if not more productive, working off-site. Mm -hmm. But if I have to start working in an office again, it's going to be a mind fuck, man. Yeah. Um, I am. I am indifferent to the like. I'm. I'm ready to go back. I've been ready to go back to anything resembling society. But I hear that. I think it also might be because like dealing with a kid is is yeah. the, is the difference but at the same time it's like i'm also ready to never go back because like it's i'm getting more done than ever before it's just uh it's it's not i'm not doing it for the perfect reasons does that make sense uh, yeah it's um it's been i think i talked with one person earlier in the year about how it had been difficult to commit to a system mm -hmm. for this kind of work because we didn't really want to admit that this is how it was going to be for a while. This was like June of 2020 yeah, when yeah. everyone was still a little bit in denial. I, he was talking about how he hadn't really set up his home office because he didn't want to accept that we were just going to be doing this for, for a hot minute. And then, uh, approaching a year on from that uh we have built new systems and it will take yet another kind of fiery baptism to figure out how to work in in yet a new way do you find because whatever happens won't be we won't we're not going back to december 2019 it'll be yet another new thing do you think that well, do you think that is our current reality reflected in your scripts right now? 
it's creeping in. Uh, I think there's one that I'm working on that where I need something sinister to to start creeping up in the background and um, definitely alienation, social alienation and being alone had been a huge problem for a lot of people I knew and kind of it, from what I could tell more generally way before this started happening. And I remember when they first were talking about social distancing, there was a pushback where we want to say physical distancing because physical distancing just means giving people six feet of space. So you don't uh, sneeze on somebody. Social distancing could be taken to mean uh, don't trust anyone, hide in your bunker, you know, just don't engage because people are dangerous and you're going to get sick. And people didn't want to encourage that because that kind of attitude was already a problem. And obviously we saw it mutate like crazy over the last year. And I think anything I write about is going to acknowledge that because I think American individualism has proven itself to be uh, maybe not the best adaptation for every situation that could present itself and people being alone and having low feel good chemicals, oxytocin and serotonin and the like has probably exacerbated some weird stuff that's been going on socially. So I think that's going to be, it's going to be important to tell stories about that kind of alienation. I wonder if it's going to be also weather-based too, because like, I, I don't know how it's been in LA. Clearly you do, but I can tell you for a fact, like DC, we didn't see nearly as many people in December, January, February, just and for the majority, yeah, the last three months because it was so cold and right dark so early. You don't have that issue. You, in theory, could have been seeing people at the beach every single day of this thing. Well, it was raining yesterday. Fuck you. Because <laughs> we, yeah, the Venice Beach during a light drizzle is the best first date ever because you just own the place. But that's the thing. Like you've you've been less in theory. The residents of Los Angeles have been less isolated than others. Yeah, you could say that. But I think also um, the suburban lifestyle in places like the San Fernando Valley was probably part of why there was a real spike over the holidays. Okay. Because there were so many grandparents that had been living in little houses that they've had since the seventies and had not seen anyone else. Cause you know, the, in the suburban cul-de-sac type communities, you know, even if you get out and walk around, maybe you don't really, you're not really connected to a community. I think some of them just thought, screw it. We're going to do Thanksgiving this yeah, year. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd rather die than, than not, hug my grandkids and that i think that probably led to this being the epicenter during that time yeah you're probably right uh so it's a, a give and take yeah on a much more positive note it, the last few days uh, have been incredibly positive for me i'm very hopeful 
seeing what's happening in Alaska, seeing what's happening in Utah. And yes, I understand that those are not dense populated states, but um, Alaska's already, anybody that wants a vaccine over 18 can get one. It's April 1st for Utah. Like these are big, giant steps that I don't think are getting enough celebration because things are still not perfect, but it's getting very close, way closer than I think anyone, well, at least I had thought, at least at the start of the year, that it's almost oh, yeah. in a weird way over. And are you looking forward to that? Oh, yeah. I And I think we're get, we've gotten used to bad news. And I... A couple of months ago, I was pretty sure that there was going to be a huge spike in March because of the new variants. You know, I thought particularly the one from South Africa seemed pretty gnarly. But yeah, the vaccine rollout has been really successful considering all the ways it could have gone wrong. Yeah. And the yeah looking at the graph it's like it the it's the kind of drop off that epidemiologists expect to see when something is contained mm-hmm. so yeah this thing could be out of the news cycle by the end of the year which is and I fucking huge happen. yeah i know that's why why it, and we're i think we're having trouble acknowledging when good things are happening <laughs> at least that's my experience because it feels like you're asking for trouble. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe I've always been When people ask you how old do you feel, what do you say? It fluctuates. Okay. It's like a billionaire's net worth. <laughs> I takes wild swings based on things that make absolutely So, so no your sense. age is based on the market is what you're saying. And how I feel today. Well, and, how do you feel today? Yeah, today, today on Thursday, March 11th, 2021, how old are you? How old do you feel? Uh, probably 32. Oh, really? You know, I, got, I got some wisdom and experience, but I'm not I'm not done yet. Okay, okay. I've always felt like my age. Interesting. And So you're very, you've been very well adapted to every phase of your life. Um... Maybe not, kind of. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, certainly there are, I I definitely felt like a teenager when I was a teenager, and I definitely checked a lot of dumb boxes at certain ages, and I'm definitely doing that right now, but it seems, I just feel like my age, and I think that's why I feel in a weird way hopeful, because I, I don't think I'm denying anything. I'm not denying the death around us. I'm not denying the destructions of certain families, but I'm also not denying the the massive leaps forward science have made. And the, like the vaccination rollout, you think it's, I think it's really good considering like you said, and I think the beyond our wild, beyond exactly. And to me, that's not like the hopeful naivete of a young person or the like, grizzled old vet (laughs) that I was better back in my day. No, like this is the reality. And that's, we need to acknowledge reality and um, not necessarily embrace it. I choose to embrace it. You don't have to do whatever you want, but not denying reality is maybe how I feel and how I feel about the vaccinations and why I feel hopeful today. Yeah. Whether it's bad or good. I will say that as I've gotten older, I've felt less like I need to see things through some kind of gauze of irony or mm. do some kind of nihilistic posturing to protect myself from uh, from reality. 
I think it's it's become easier to see good things and bad things just on their faces. Okay. So in that way, I feel like I've I've gained some. I've gained enough wisdom and experience to not panic over everything. I have to go deal with my kid, but I want to end with this question for you, and we could revisit it next time if that's okay with you. Okay? Yeah. Okay. You just mentioned uh, nihilistic posturing and irony. This is I'm saying this with sincerity. Trump supporters brought a noose to hang the vice president, Mike Pence. Mike Pence did not reject those people and is still standing by Trump. Is that the definition of gallows humor? Or <laughs> I guess is that irony? Well, is this they got is, a laugh out of me? So, is this irony? They, they, I'm not joking. Is this is th- is that nihilistic posturing? What is that? Because until I could define that, I'm stuck with thinking about that in a loop indefinitely. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna think about that, and we can pick this up next week. Don't steal my idea. That's gonna be the next I book. That's yours. You, Me, Them, Everybody is Made by Me, Brandon Weatherby. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox. Our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all 13 years of shows at youmethemeverybody.com. If you're listening to this in Spotify or on iTunes, the last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, you, Me, Them, Everybody Dot com. Our Patreon page is on our About page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. At sign YMTE. Thanks for listening. I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping. Friends and family I'll be keeping. Won't 